You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. The first thing that happens if we really see this is that all shame and guilt, but just as much all arrogance and ego falls away. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so delighted to have you here. My guest this week is Katrine van Oudhuizen and she talks all about selfless servant leadership. She has over 20 years of international experience as a coach, a management consultant and an organisational development professional. She has focused her coaching practice on guiding leaders towards authentic, effortless selfless leadership using a unique online process that applies 16 tested practices from world wisdom traditions. We do get into a little bit of detail about servant leadership, selfless leadership and what it all means. And we do talk about the four kind of key areas, the four universal truths. Uh, We do get kind of deep in places and it might be a little bit woo-woo for some people, but it's really, really insightful and something I haven't heard people talking about traditionally uh, in social media, on any of the channels that I follow, but certainly not in leadership. Catherine has completed personal coach and non-dual coaching training. She has done Byron Katie's School for the Work, so that's something that I am familiar with. Um, I've I've read the book. Uh, She does systemic organisational development qualifications as well. And her coaching is based on her her understanding of these non-dual approaches, which emphasise the unity of all existence. And we do get into that. And you'll hear me throughout the podcast, you know, trying to wrap my head around some of these concepts because it is, um, you know, sometimes they're, they're a little bit far out there. But I think in listening to what Catherine has to say, it's I think it's it's really, really important and it's really, really different and it's really insightful as well. Catherine is originally from Belgium. She grew up as an expat child in Bangkok in Thailand. And after university, her first work experience was in the Netherlands and she moved to Germany in 2008. She serves leaders located all over the world through English, Dutch and German uh, from Frankfurt. And we kind of had a chat afterwards. I lived in Frankfurt for a summer and so we saw sort of bonded over that as well. So I will put all of the links to connect with Catherine in the show notes as well. So if you want to go and check that out, as always, I will do a summary at the end of this week's episode to pick out some of the key points that were made and definitely stay tuned for that. And please feel free to connect with me on social media. I'm most active on LinkedIn. Uh, I do some stuff on Instagram as well, happieratwork.ie. And I'm always open to connecting with people there. So do either give me a follow or reach out to connect with me on LinkedIn. So Catherine, welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so delighted to have you as my guest today. I've been kind of following your uh, path, let's say, on LinkedIn for, I'm not sure, a couple of months. It could be a year. It could even be a couple of years. With the pandemic, it's kind of hard to tell with all of these things. But I'm so delighted to have you as my guest today. I'm really intrigued by the work that you do. Do you want to give listeners a, a little bit of a flavor of what you do and how you got into what it is that you're doing today? Sure. So so thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. And um, yes, so I, I coach. I'm, I'm a leadership coach for selfless leadership. And I think we'll be talking about that um, a bit more. Um, and I've been doing this for about a year. And before that, um, I have 20 years of work experience in all sorts of internal and external roles as a consultant externally, but also internally in companies. Major, uh, mainly in organizational development. So um, lots of experience, agile transformations, change management, um, making work a better place for people um, uh, for two decades. Um, so it's since, since 2017, I'm, I'm um, an independent consultant and coach. And uh, for the past eight months, my super specialization and I'm completely focused on this uh, selfless leadership coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll come on to that in a second, but I'm intrigued with all of your, you know, a couple of decades of experience. What were the major issues that you saw 
in organizations. And I, I love this idea of like making work a better place. That's what I'm all about. What would you say were the, the major issues that you saw in, in the organizations that you worked in or that you worked with or you worked for? Yeah, so I, I started off in healthcare and hospitals, and then I was uh, at universities and externally as a management consultant. It was always at the executive board top management level because I was either internal internally staff or advising externally. And um, unfortunately, these were all typically the same the same types of people, with a few exceptions. And um, to be honest, the only thing I saw, or the, the, what I saw most of was ego posturing and power in in probably in that order as well. Um, so I'm an idealist uh, through and through. And my idealism was always there trying to, okay, but what is good for the organization? What is What is good for the people working here? How can we make it better? How can we improve? And my work, if I would sum it up, was running up against power and politics and egos in this yeah. desire, um, yeah. in this idealism. Yeah. So could I assume then that they were very much self-focused, that they were into what, what can I get out of this scenario? How can I get paid more? How can I get recognized more? How can I get more power? You know, insert yes. whatever you're looking for. Yes. Um, on the other hand, it was even more um, subtle because this usually was translated into what I want and what's good for me is also best for the organization. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. my my experience that it was often there was no, people don't differentiate between their personal needs mm. and the job. So their identity, their work becomes their identity. And then what they want is what the organization needs. Not always that black and white, but this was often often an issue I found. That's really interesting. So they're kind of conflating what they need and they're 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 not even making the assumption, but they're making the projection that what's best for me is actually what's best for the organization. Yes. And actually, to be honest, the idealists and, and other people who were there to serve others yeah, yeah. were actually doing the same thing because we okay. were conflating our ego need to serve. Okay. Right. Our need for appreciation and doing good in the world with what the organization needs. So we were doing exactly the same thing, yeah, only yeah. from a, you could say, may, maybe more positive motivation. Yeah. But we were doing exactly the same. Yeah. Interestingly, um, this is kind of a slightly off topic, but I attended a, a short webinar yesterday evening. It was only 30 minutes long, but it was all about conflict in the workplace and drama and how to kind of get rid of drama in the workplace. And I thought that's that's quite an interesting topic. So I'll, I'll tune in. It was actually one of my former podcast guests, Nate Regeer, mm -hmm. and he shared um, Cartman's drama triangle. And it sounds like what you're talking about there is the rescuer where, you know, you get this kind of sense of maybe fulfillment or ego boost because you are stepping in and you are the, the problem solver within this organization. So it's just something that's that's sprung to mind when you were talking about like you're getting the hit from being the, the person who is kind of solving the problem within the organization. Exactly, exactly. Mm, and and yeah. my whole identity as a, as a change manager, organizational developer was around well, I'm improving things for other people. Look at me, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And be, again, before we get on to this idea of selfless leadership, what was the impact of that sort of dynamic, the power on on the people who worked in the organization? So like if there were people at, at, at those leadership positions, at those executive levels who had this great sense of ego and I'm doing what's best for the organization, what was the impact on on everyone else who worked there? Well, it was, it was mixed, right? So it's not that easy to, it's <laughs> okay. nice when we can put things it's into black and white. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's complicated. <laughs> or the management consulting answer, that depends. Well, it depends, it right? Depends. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> um, so I don't think there's an easy answer. On the other hand, it, it was, um, I think it had two main effects. On, on a certain type of people, it had the effect of, well, I'm going to sit back and just do the, the absolute minimum that's required of me because I'm not in this power triangle or in this in this power hierarchy. Um, I'm not important. My my voice is not important. I can't contribute. 
So I'm just going to do the absolute minimum and see, find my um, identity and my joy outside of work. That was one type. The other type um, struggled to find their own way to deal with this, with the power and 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 the hierarchy and and the posturing. So there was a lot of you know elbow stuff going on or people trying to figure out also for themselves how do how does my character fit into that how do how do my interests and my own needs and and what i want from work how does that fit into this shark tank <laughs> that i'm that i'm working in and a lot of energy was was wasted i would say thinking about these things talking in the hallways you know about who is 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 talking to whom and what does that mean for me and in which meeting should i be why am i not there so much waste yeah yeah it's interesting it is they're, they're the kind of things that came up in in the session that i attended last night as i mentioned and um, i suppose my underlying or burning question on this is like did people not just leave that scenario if they didn't feel like you you mentioned the word fit i'm a huge fan of the concept of fit and I, I mean that in the concept of belonging as opposed to having to mold yourself to fit in in an organization um i did my master's research and my dissertation research all on this concept of fit and fitting in at work but i suppose my question is if people were feeling that way did they not just i'm, I'm the kind of person who if i'm feeling that way then i'm going to leave that situation you know yeah i think this um this concept of finding your passion and fit and and culture fit and doing work that makes you feel good things is is mm -hmm. relatively new for many people okay and in when i started out uh, 20 years ago especially in healthcare and and in higher education there were many many people who just saw that as a job it was just something or they felt stuck like well yeah this is what i studied what i went to university for I'm here at the beginning of my career or in the middle of it, I don't have the option to leave or I have a young family or, or for whatever beliefs they were believing, they felt stuck and they didn't see uh, changing jobs or changing careers as easily as it's seen now. I think that has yeah. changed. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might be a different scenario now. Um, Brilliant. Anyway, without further, further ado, let's talk about this idea of selfless leadership and, and maybe how you got into it initially. I know you have a book and I've started reading your book. I'm really intrigued, like I say, by the posts that you've been sharing on LinkedIn and also by just the first couple of chapters within the book as well. I'm just, you know, it's it's very different to anything that I've heard or read before. I was aware of the idea of servant leadership. Uh, previously from the masters, we learned about the different styles of leadership and servant leadership was one that was kind of um, shared with us as a style, but that's kind of, that's about the extent of what I understand about it. Um, with the exception of of what you share on, on your LinkedIn post, which I think is really, really incredible. So do you want to kind of talk us through, like it's, I can see the link between what you've talked about in relation to the power and the posturing and the ego side of things in work. Um, do you want to talk to us a little bit more about the journey of, of kind of how you got to really specialize in that area of selfless leadership? As many things in life, it wasn't a clear journey. So retrospectively, yeah. I can give you some I, kind of causal chain. <laughs> isn't, isn't it, it? That's exactly it. I feel like with my business, it's sort of evolving all the time. And uh, you kind of look back. I think it was it Steve Jobs who said you can you can make a story when you look back, but you can't make yeah. a story when you look forward. Yeah. Yes, and in this case, even looking back, a story is difficult. So um, <laughs> what I know is that servant leadership, as you just describe it, that's how we usually see it online or wherever we read about it. It's it's a style of leadership where you put others first. So it's more about the team or, or other people than about yourself. And the way we um, uh, often read about it, it's it's based on, on the work of Robert Greenleaf, 1975, um, way back then, when he um, coined this term for this style of leadership, which has, you could say, Christian roots. Okay. So yeah. it's it's very in in the sense of humility, morality, um, doing good in the world, but it has a it has a strong uh, Christian connotation. 
Um, there's a different concept of selfless service, which is sometimes also linked to servant leadership, which is more in the in the Indian subcontinent. Um, Hinduism, Buddhism has um, this concept of selfless service to others, actually also as a spiritual path. So you dedicate your work to the benefit of others and expect nothing in return. So that's almost a spiritual practice. So these are things that that we know. Mostly when, when it's talked about in our context, it's this um, serving mankind in the, in the role of a leader. But um, I don't see servant leadership as a, as a leadership style. So for me, that's why I call it selfless leadership because I needed a sort of a different term. And for me, selfless means literally that we see that our true nature is not a limited separate self. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's about seeing through the, the concept that our mind creates of the separate ego. And this has um, roots in what is called non-duality, which is, is a philosophy that all major religions share, but in, in, their, in their core, but you could say is the core of our human nature. And um, this involves seeing that we've misidentified very, very um, innocently as children, this is how we're conditioned, to identify with a separate self. So you're told, okay, you are a person, you, are, you have life, you're in charge of this life, you're, you're responsible for it, and it's your responsibility now to make the best of it. And um, that's, that's fine. I mean, that's how we're all conditioned. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing, but this is actually the ego. And we, we add onto that over the years, we add endless beliefs. I am, I'm intelligent, I'm stupid, I am outgoing, I'm shy, I'm born to do great things, or I'm an introvert. Whatever it is that we add onto this I am is the set of beliefs that become our identity. And this changes over time. So, you know, your identity at 20 probably isn't the same as it is now. But... Um, so we're kind of constantly adding more beliefs as time progresses. Yes, many of us add more and more. Some people mm. actually become more open-minded or, or have less beliefs as they age. Um, but I think most of us, we add more and become more limited in, in our mindset because, because we attach to all these beliefs. And this forms our identity. Um, at the same time, it's possible as human beings to see that this is a construct. Because all this time, while we were creating this identity and, and identifying with it, a part of us, which is not limited, and is not, not limited by beliefs, was observing this, was, was experiencing this. Is this like the thoughts versus the thinker of the thoughts versus the observer of the thoughts? Exactly. Very deep. We're getting very deep here. <laughs> exactly. Like it. it immediately goes very deep because this is the essence of what we are. Basically, humans make the mistake of thinking that we are our thoughts and beliefs, whereas we are the that in which the thoughts and the beliefs appear. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And this immediately, even just the sentence gives us some freedom because immediately we're, we're creating a, a, a separation between what we think we are and the, you could say, eternal or, or the, um, that which observes what we are and what everything else is. Yeah. And this is what I bring into the work, the world of work and leadership. Mm. Because if you can see this, if you can even intuit this just a little bit, yeah. the ego loses its power. Mm. Yeah. It's such an interesting concept. And I, I suppose my immediate thought is, do people think that this is a little bit woo-woo, is a little bit out there? Uh, are they a bit reluctant to try this because it's a little bit too spiritual? Or do they shy away from, from even being interested in this type of stuff? Or, or what's, what are you finding? I'm sure I, I shy away lots of people. <laughs> so I don't even talk to them, right? Because they're yeah, gone before yeah. I get they're to talk to them. They're not interested. Yeah, I'm just saying, yes. yeah, there's a lot of people who are not interested in creating happier working environments. They're yeah. not my people. They don't want to exactly. talk to me. I don't want to talk to them. 
<laughs> yes. And on the other hand, I'm extremely surprised how many people um, and all types of people are interested in this. Yeah. Because one thing I don't, or I also think is is important is to get rid of or or remove all this unnecessary spiritual woo stuff because yeah okay these concepts have nothing to do with with crystals or or meditation or chakras or gurus or whatever you associate with with spirituality on the other hand it is of course about spiritual our spiritual essence because it's about our true self and what we are yeah. beyond the mind and 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 the feelings and sensation. So in that sense, it's spiritual, but that I see just as the fourth component of being human. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's so interesting, isn't it? Like, it's just, it's so, it's, I think what intrigues me about it is that it's very different to anything that I'm hearing people talking about. And one of the things that stood out for me in the book was, you, you know, and I, I think you mentioned that people think that they want or say, people think that they have to learn new stuff. They need yeah. to, oh, I, this is a new style of leadership. I need to learn more. I need to do this. And when actually it's the opposite, it's you need to unlearn what you already know. Do you want to talk us through a little bit more about this process, I suppose, of, of unlearning? And I know that there's there's four pillars, I believe, in, um, in yes. the process that you use as well. I'd love to, to kind of get into that. Yeah. So... We learn again as very small children that we we need to develop ourselves. We have to grow and develop mm. and learn new things, and um, this is something that we need to do. We're responsible yeah. for this, so is, we're is, stuck in this mindset. Yeah, is that not like I have encountered people who are really driven to develop themselves all the time? People who are kind of maybe averagely so, and then other people who are not really that interested. And I suppose. When I when I say not that interested, I, I'm talking very much in the work context where they're at a certain position, a certain level, and they've no desire to grow um, and, and to develop and, and to progress in their careers. But I and again, maybe this is a belief that I have, but I thought that that's part of what being human is, is that we're looking always to develop and to grow and to improve and that things get better all the time. Are you saying that that's not necessarily the case? Yes, that's a belief. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so there. No. Um, the really cool thing about about life is that, or, or that's the first insight also for serve, for selfless leadership, is that we are being lived. So we are taught you have to do all this stuff. You know, if you don't, if you don't work hard at school, if you don't develop yourself, you're going to turn into a, I don't know a turnip, uh, <laughs> and end up under a bridge in Paris or or whatever you're you know penniless and, and destitute. Um, so that's something many of us grow up with. But even those people who are not into self-development, they're into some form of self-improvement, maybe in different areas. So I think this is human universal that we have, a, because this identity we're creating, it's, it's a house of cards, right? We have to create it through this belief system. So it's always in danger of kind of just being blown away. So we're constantly shoring it up with something. And that could be not at work, but um, having, I don't know, uh, 15 wives or 17 husbands or whatever the model is, there's always a model of um, getting and improving. Okay, yeah, yeah. And this first insight, uh, we're being lived, actually shows you, and I do this through practices, self-inquiry practices, um, which come also from these from these wisdom traditions, um, but in a modern version. Um, this this first insight shows you that actually we are just like a tree or a cat or any other living being. We are being lived by life. So life determines whether you will develop yourself into a software engineer or a baker. Life determines whether you will do well at school or whether you will go climb up the, the, the career ladder or not. But we think we as a separate entity need to do that. And this is so confrontational for, for yeah. most people. It's, it's, and it's, it's confrontational, but it's getting kind of confusing for me now as well, Catherine, just in, in the sense that it's almost like fatalistic. Like I don't really have a choice in the matter because it's already been decided for me. Is, is that what you're getting at or? 
It's no, a, it's, a it's, it's okay. even more radical. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's better and more radical at the same okay. time because what yeah. I'm saying is there is really no I. That is to be fatalistic. <laughs> okay. See, so even your I concept, the the I that says I'm going to achieve, I'm going to get better, I'm going to make work a happier place. This is not you doing that. That's how you've been constructed. So you have hardware, right? You have a body, yeah, yeah, you've been yeah. born and a brain. Yeah. And onto this hardware, you didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your genetics. You didn't choose your life, major life experiences. You didn't choose the moment where your hardware software combination decided to study whatever it is you study to go for that master's. That just happened. Wow. Wow. It's it's starting to it's it's blowing my mind a little bit <laughs> yes. already. Yes. Yeah. And so that's that's actually an immense freedom. I always compare yeah. it to the movie of your life is is playing in a, in mm. a 4D full immersion virtual reality cinema. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you're actually also in the audience and you can get yourself a nice bag of popcorn and a fizzy drink and enjoy the show. Yeah. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. And it's like, and I have no say in this. There is no I. So that, that's irrelevant. You shouldn't even be asking that. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, the mind can't really get that. I mean, it, yeah. we have some some indication because, because this is a truth. Um, mm. People can see this for themselves. So we have some some idea. Oh, yeah, this, there may be some truth to this. Yeah. But we can't really get it because the mind is our identity. Yeah. 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 And it, well, so it, it doesn't it want wants to, to protect there. itself, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But these practices that we do, for example, um, I ask people to go through their day and to really look directly in the moment how decisions are made. Yeah. Where do they come from? Is there like a little person inside you that decides? <laughs> or are all decisions, the big ones and the tiny ones, do they just happen? And afterwards, maybe a fraction of a second later or in parallel, your mind creates a story about it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a very good point, actually. And that's, it's a really nice way to illustrate what's happening because, you know, I will get these moments of inspiration. Where do they come from? I really have no idea. And yeah. that's probably the closest that I can relate to what it is that you're talking about. These moments yes. of inspiration. And exactly, say, when decisions are taken, we, we justify it afterwards the reason, you know, the, the reason for the decision. Wow, yeah, this is so, it's so interesting. And it's it's just so different to anything that, that I've seen people talking about at yeah, all. And, and uh, neuropsychology or neurobiology, whatever it's called, is um, also um, proving this or corroborating yeah. because it's found that um, you can actually measure neuronal action in the body and a fraction of a second later, the thought comes. Wow. So scientists can actually know what you're going to do before you before you think it. <laughs> okay. That's so incredible. this is this is all you know. You could say, so what? What does this yeah. mean yeah. for leadership? Right. Yeah. But it means a huge amount because the first thing that happens if we really see this is that all shame and guilt, but just as much all arrogance and ego falls away if you really if you really understand this because that means none of these brilliant thoughts are my thoughts you know it's not my achievement none of this this fantastic position that i am is mine or yeah. my doing my mistakes are conversely not my fault yeah and as it is for me so it is for others yeah so in the workplace, this already creates half of this list of servant leadership qualities that we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. That we were trying to train ourselves into, oh, I have to be, you know, non-judgmental. Well, here it is. You can't be yeah. judgmental if you've seen that you're not the doer. Yeah, yeah. And you just take those beliefs away and they're stripped away and you're, this is what you're left with. Yes. Yeah. So I compare it kind of to peeling an onion, you know, instead yeah. of dressing it up with, with new layers of knowledge and skills and, and qualities, 
or things we're supposed to cultivate, positive psychology. Yeah. Although the stuff LinkedIn is, you know, full of with great tips and advice, things you need to learn, that's dressing up the onion. And, okay. and yeah, yeah. this process, the, the one that I teach in the coaching, is we're going to peel the onion and find find the diamond inside. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about the the first is what do you refer to them as? Is it the universal truth? Um, the first one it being we are being lived. Yes, the there the four insights for four insights, that produce yeah. sort of produce natural or authentic selfless leadership. And yeah. by that I mean nothing that you have to force, but it then yeah. just comes it up happens. from within. Yeah. 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 Um so what do you want to talk to me about the the rest of them then? We talked about number one, um we yeah. talk about two, three, and four. Um maybe we talk about the what are the kind of characteristics, what are the kind of results that happen in the workplace as a result of this as well. Yes. So the first one, we're being lived, life becomes m- much more like flow, right? Yeah. You're in this movie, you're enjoying the show, guilt, shame, arrogance, pride disappear. You stop judging others. This is, if you get to here, <laughs> this is already like 80% of the work. Okay, yeah. I was wondering why it was, why it was so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I put it first in the book and in my process, okay. because if I yeah. get you there, you know, it's, it's almost smooth sailing afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one is that we're new in every moment. And what that means is much more easy for people to see that we are this set of beliefs, but that these beliefs are arbitrary and their baggage from the past or anxiety about the future. This is all thought. And having seen that we are not our thoughts, it's much easier to just let them be. So we kind of remove our, our investment in them and our, our absolute belief in all this stuff our brain produces. So I compare that sometimes to um, a radio station that's you know, some horrible talk show or some horrible music that you find ridiculous running in the background, but you you can't find, you don't have the volume don't dial. Turn it off. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I'm yeah. still from the generation that had dials on, on radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, same. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember it well. <laughs> so it's running in the background, but you can't access it. And the only thing you can do is you don't think the radio talk show is the truth about you. <laughs> Right. What people are saying on the radio, you wouldn't you wouldn't take that on as your identity. But somehow, because this thing is running in our brain, we take this narrative to be the truth. So if I tell you, um, wow, you know, you're looking extremely green today, you're a bit too green. Um, could you be <laughs> a bit more yellow? Uh, <laughs> you'd say you, you wouldn't take me seriously. You'd say, what on earth is she? this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm yeah. not believing this. But if I were to say, you know, you could be a bit nicer, um, why aren't you more kind? You'd probably in some way take this on board and take it personally. Yeah, I'm not a nice person. I'm not a kind person. That's what Catherine said about me. And yeah, and you get that, I I suppose, from a very young age and factor in all of the additional and I suppose, you know, work related stuff as well. Yes. The conversations that you have, the, the encounters that you have at work and it all compounds. Yes. The, the problem is that, that if we would look at every single belief and try to work on each and every one, we'd be, you know, we'd die before we get to all of them. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's, it's very popular and it's very common to try and identify what our limiting beliefs are and to try and kind of tackle them one at a time. And I know certainly it's something that I've encountered in, in coaching work that I've done. Um, yeah, we try and identify. And, and I always struggled with the concept of but how do you know because you're living in it and and it's really difficult to identify when you have a limiting belief unless you know and this is something that came up when I was in Tenerife where I was being paid to do something that I really really enjoyed and I thought I shouldn't be paid to do this because it's so much fun and I thought no oh wait a minute hang on (laughs) this is what I'm trying to educate other people about it's okay to be happy at work and we should that's something that we you know it's okay to do that. And so I was like, oh, that's clearly a limiting belief that's been ingrained in me, even though I'm telling other people about this, it's still something that that impacts on me. 
So, so my whole rabbit hole in, into this started with questioning limiting beliefs, which is also the work of Byron Katie. Yeah, um, yeah. I did the school for the work and that really opened my eyes to this whole ego thing and belief systems and limiting beliefs. So in that sense, it's definitely not bad. Yeah. And it's yeah. a good place to start. Only the problem is that's endless. Yeah. Yeah. You get rid of three limiting beliefs, the next 50 pop up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So again, here it's much more radical. We, we don't look at, we don't try to change beliefs or question limiting beliefs. We just see the whole belief construct, no matter what thought your mind comes up with, it's basically bullshit. You don't have to believe it. Yeah. What I do with, with coaches is much more radical. It's going to the root of this whole idea that we have to believe our beliefs or that we are our beliefs. So it's seeing, it's going to the root of that and pulling it out instead of just snipping off a little, you know, leaves like bonsai. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Pruning. Um, yeah, pruning yeah. the little bonsai tree. We just go to the root and pull out the whole the whole plant. So after um, these two insights, yeah, you've seen that you're not the separate self. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that brings us to the third one because they're balanced, right? In 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 each insight, we we see two things, but the the next two are more about well, if I'm not separate, then what am I? <laughs> Because I obviously didn't disappear. I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the third one is we're all connected. Mm. But I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, we're all on LinkedIn and, and have a network. I mean, literally, there is no physical separation mm. between human beings. Okay. It's like an energetic field or something. Is that kind of what it is? Or is that? completely different yeah it's you could say it's the quantum field or quantum physics you know mm -hmm. doesn't even talk about separation anymore it, it's just okay. connection and i am i don't understand quantum physics so yeah I, I don't but we don't need to understand quantum physics to get this yeah. okay it's simply seeing that um i cannot if i if i focus on just my awareness my consciousness and don't you know feel this limited i'm, I'm stuck in this little body mind I can't find borders to my being. So what this means, and, and this is where we kind of use our higher reasoning, it's called. So it's not something that we can experience. We don't suddenly experience, you know, like, like drugs, we're all one and, and rainbows and whatever. I wouldn't know. I never tried. But <laughs> it's more of a, of a knowing and intuiting from the, from the conclusion that I can't find really any limits to my being, I, I cannot um, keep up this separateness if I really examine my experience and, and my knowing. So this is where we move into awareness and it gets more difficult to talk about because this is really something you have to do the practices to see. Okay, to really understand what's going on. Yeah, because as soon yeah. as we talk and use language, we're talking, we're talking in duality. We're talking about concepts and concepts yeah. are limited. Yeah. So it's about feeling it more so, is it? Or, or experiencing it? Being, a, being aware of it? Being aware of it because it's not a feeling. So it's not, okay. you, don't, you don't suddenly feel one with everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's you see that, we, that there is no separation. Okay. And this yeah. in, in a leadership con context or in a work context, this makes these barriers of self and other, they become more fluid. Yeah. So it's not so much, you know, here is, here is me and I need to protect this, but it's more, well, here is the emerging field of, of um, whatever it is that we're co-creating. Yeah. So all this stuff that we want in, in agility, for example, excellent co-creation, the emerging future, innovation, creativity, all this stuff that we're trying to force ourselves into, mm but doesn't work as long as we feel separate. Yeah. This now actually becomes possible. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. don't know about you, but I've never experienced a team of egos really able to co-create. No, <laughs> never. And then they no. get all the instructions, right? Well, let's, you know, here's a tool or here's a, a workshop to co-create. It yeah. doesn't work because everybody's stuck in their own little ego needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you see this, and these three insights, well, then it becomes possible. Yeah. It's just so like 
it's it's very unique, but it's also really inspiring, I think, to be able to talk about this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, one of the, the questions that I had kind of from earlier on is this concept of the true self and, and what is the true self? What does that actually mean? Yeah. So again, this is where words become dif- difficult. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. The false self is the ego. Yeah. The false self is this identity we've created. Mm, and like um, I'm good at this or I'm bad at that or that, everything you believe kind of about yourself. Yeah. Okay. Everything, basically everything you believe. And we know this um, the last time you were one with the true self was mm. before you learned language. So maybe at okay. the age of 18 months. Yeah, yeah. Because this is really fascinating. We had to learn language to be able to learn that we're separate selves. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you didn't, as a baby, you didn't know there was separation. You had to be yeah. taught, well, this is your foot and this is yeah. mommy's foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so these things are created through languages and concepts, and it's probably all good for something, but it's not, it's not what we really are. What we really are is this true self that is what you could also call awareness. It's the observer or the witness of everything that appears. Okay. And what that is exactly, this is what you can experience or, or inquire into through these self-inquiry exercises, and then you mm. discover for yourself what that is. Yeah. Okay. So is it different? It's different for everyone. No, it's actually the same for everyone, okay. but it's difficult to talk about. Um, yeah. But you need because... to do the exercises yourself in order to get there. Yes. Okay. But the, 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 the name that is used in, in non-duality, for example, is awareness and awareness yeah. with a capital A. Yeah. Because you can also see that it's not my awareness and your awareness. Okay. It's one universal awareness. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 And this is where quantum physics, for example, again corroborates that this is there is one unified energy field or whatever you want to call it, and this is not yeah. separate between seven billion consciousnesses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's yeah. one universal consciousness. Yeah. And um, coming back to this idea, so you mentioned it's useful when it comes to agility and co-creating and working like let's say like working on projects and things like that what if one person has done this type of work but other people around them haven't done it as it, in, i suppose where i'm going with is if there is a leader or a group of leaders in an organization who've done this what is the impact that they're having then on on that organization yeah um so, so far, I've done this with about 30 clients. Um, so I have, uh, you could say, field work from uh, 30 people. Yeah. Um, and That's myself, brilliant. of course. Yeah. But the point is that, um, first of all, nobody needs to know and nobody needs to notice. Mm. Um, the second thing is that for every person, it will be different because this understanding still filters through your, your identity oh, doesn't disappear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, at least yeah. for for us, norm, unless you're enlightened, I don't know, but but the version that I do, <laughs> there is still an ego. It's just much more transparent. It's not you're not as stuck in it, but I still have my character traits. I still have my talents. So, for example, for me, it it presents itself in the form of coaching. Yeah. Um, some people I work with, I, I have some examples in the book as well. Um, especially in what changes for, for almost everyone is this trying to get things done. So okay. if That's, you're in an that organization, would, that would yeah, it would be everyone actually, <laughs> yeah. but you're in a role in a leadership role. And then it's like, okay, I need to, I need to get something done. I need to improve work for other people. Uh, I need to uh, create change, create transformation. Yeah. Different flavors of, of this, but it's all yeah. about changing something. Yeah. And this becomes much more relaxed, right? Because there's no more, this is my agenda, it has to get done, or this is the mm. way to do things. Actually, the doer disappears. Yeah. So there's much more this flow with, okay, look, here's a room with 10 egos. Well, how am I going to flow with whatever is here in, in this reality and serve in the best possible way? Okay. So yeah. if people notice anything, it's that you're much less uptight you're much less stressed. Yeah. You're not trying to 
um, follow your own ego agenda anymore, no matter how, mm. you know, uh, great it was or, or yeah. good for everyone. So these type of things tend to tend to change immediately. Yeah. But then how it expresses in, in what type of work or new endeavors or projects or whatever, well, we're being lived, right? So this now comes through us. Yeah. We get ourselves out of the way, our little ego. And that's why the fourth insight is seeing that what we really are is selfless service. Because when we get this identity, well, not out of the way, it's still there, but we can see through it. Mm. Then our natural inclination is to serve because I'm no longer so interested in myself. Having seen that it's an illusion, a house of cards, I'm not so obsessed with it anymore. Yeah. And then what is left? Well, other people and the world. Mm. So this is this natural desire to, to, if I do any, I'm still going to work. I'm still in a leadership position. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to obviously use that to be in service to others because myself is no, no longer interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 I think it's a difficult concept to wrap your head around. So I'm wondering, people might need to listen to this twice. <laughs> I'm encouraging you to listen twice um, or listen in for the summary where I, I'm going to pick out some of the key points. But my burning question, and this is obviously my ego question, and like, how does stuff actually get done? So I'm in this leadership position. Uh, there is stuff that needs to be done. How does that get done then if, you know, or is it more from a place of, I'm trying to get my head around it, like serving others and like, I suppose without being a doormat, but without you're taking away that controlling element, but you don't want to also be someone who's who's being walked all over. We're not we're not taking away the controlling element because we're taking away the I. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So things get done the same way they always they've been getting done for the past forty years. Yeah. Yeah. Namely, um, things come up. Thoughts come yeah. up, inclinations, intentions, projects appear, deadlines appear, targets appear, managers yeah. appear, the board appears. All of this keeps appearing yeah. and work keeps getting done. The only thing that disappears is the idea that there is a doer okay. that has to get this done. Right. So this is all, um, there, there's this concept of, of non-doing, um, wu wei, in, yeah. in I can't pronounce it in, in Chinese, which is doing by not doing. Okay. So and this what, has what does that mean? So this yeah, it's, it's this kind of concept that um things get done, but there is no doer of the deeds. Okay. Yeah. Thoughts yeah. get thunk, <laughs> but there's no thinker. <laughs> yeah. So it takes yeah. away this personalizing everything and making it about me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the brilliant idea, the fantastic, cool idea of four insights, 16 practices, and a book about selfless leadership appears in the universe. This happens to be in my mind. Mm. It gets but expressed. it's not yours. It's yeah. not mine. Yeah. yeah. I have nothing to do with this. Yeah. So, so literally, that's what it feels like for me. Yeah. I, of course, I talk about my book and my coaching process. Yeah. But I, that doesn't, that's not mine in the sense of that I okay. created this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you will see that, I think you, we all know this, every great artist, every, every genius, um, Einstein, others, they all speak like this. Mm. I yeah. don't do my art, my art does me. Yeah, it's, com it's I'm the, um, what's the word, the conduit, it's coming yes. through me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so all we see in this process is that this is the same for everybody. Yeah. I like, I actually really like that. I really like that approach. It, it takes away the competition as well, doesn't it? Yes. Competition. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and all these horrible ego things that we, we mm. are trying to fight against with yeah. idealism and, and, and qualities and stuff like yeah. that. Morality. Yeah. So that's why I call this, this the effortless, authentic way to selfless mm. service instead of the moral dogmatic way. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, just the natural result. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, I mean, for me, I like the idea that it's, you're not learning new stuff. You're just, peel, like you say, describe it as peeling the onion. Um, Catherine, I know, like we kind of touched on talking about your book, but do you want to share with people what your book is about and the programs that you have as well? 
um, that, that you work with people? Yeah, so the book is my coaching process in words, as much as I mm. could write down without obviously the one-to-one -one guidance that, yeah. that I would do in coaching. So it's the four insights and enough information to get you to do the 16 practices. Mm. Because that's the core of this method. You have to see, if, if you just believe a new belief system, it's not going to help you. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these practices are designed, and for that I did years of research, tried yeah. everything. Um, but these are the practices I found to work for us Western modern humans mm. and to help us see these things in our own context. So that's really important. Um, and that's basically what the book is. So yeah. I, I wanted to share this with as many people as I could. And you can do that, I guess, the best way is in book form. But it's actually my one and only coaching program is this. Yeah. Um, the four insights and the 16 practices. But in coaching... Um, I can do much more. So I can tailor um, the practices to your specific situation. Mm -hmm. I can give you extra practices because everybody comes to this from a different angle. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. some people, we're all connected. Well, yeah, I know that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I never questioned that. And other people, they're like, well, no, uh, this is crazy stuff, you know? And then yeah, I give them extra yeah. practices to help them see that. Yeah. So this is always very individual. And a lot of because this is about things we haven't learned it's not it's not thoughts or knowledge yeah so a lot of the coaching is validating what you find out because yeah. people think well is this it you know yeah <laughs> is this what i'm supposed to see well yeah that's what you're supposed to see you've already seen it yeah 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 so that's that's what i really do in the coaching and there's nothing better uh, for me in this world than to to get to this moment where the popcorn pops yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people Keep see it and, and years of stress and frustration fall away. Years yeah. of this trying to be someone they're not or trying mm -hmm. to improve themselves just drops away. Yeah. And I get texts, you know, like people saying, because that's something I do in the coaching. We, we text every day. Yeah. While people are doing these practices. So there's like live guidance. Yeah. And um, they will say things like, well, you know, all of a sudden my, there's no stress. My team is not fighting me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because people notice. They notice. Okay. They, they pick they up might, on it. Yeah, they might not yeah. be able to verbalize it, but they pick up on the fact that you suddenly, you're not coming in there with an agenda anymore. Mm. Or trying to change them or judging them or trying to achieve, you know, target X by September. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's so fascinating. And uh, Catherine, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work? Yeah, well, so uh, I guess that's in the same line, right? In the same vein. Um, if I doing this, so yeah. in any form, and I used to try to do it in my consulting role and in my organizational development roles, because I've been practicing this for a while. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm so grateful that I found this one-to-one -one coaching international uh, world situation because now I get to do this every single day and that's yeah. just you know you can yeah. wake me up at three o'clock in the morning to do this yeah 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 well I was gonna say <laughs> you might even flip that and say what makes you happy at work well there is no you so you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um happiness at work is <laughs> yeah it just is yeah, love that. Yes. Love that. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. I really, really, um, I really, really enjoyed our chat. It was so insightful, so different to any of the other conversations that I've had. Any, any of the, anything that I'm seeing out there, it's, it's just, it's, um, it's very different. And thank you for for bringing this to the world. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> And that was Catherine van Oudhuizen and really, really enjoyed that conversation. It was very different to any of the conversations that I've had on the podcast previously. And before I go into the summary and kind of picking out some of the key points that were made during the podcast, I would love just to remind you that I do post about the podcast on social media and I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. Check out LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien, A-O-I-F-E-O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N. You'll find me on LinkedIn, either follow or connect with me there. 
there. Also happieratwork.ie on Instagram. They're the kind of the two primary social media channels that I use. And I always love to hear from listeners and, and just get involved in the conversation and share your own perspective as well. Now, as I mentioned, I've been following Kathleen for quite a while now at um, at this stage, and I'm just really intrigued by all of her posts that she shares. It's really different to anything I've seen put out there. I was really curious as well about what brought her on that journey. And, and I can see the kind of the, the direct connection between the experiences that she had at work and the kind of work that she's doing now. So where the people she encountered were driven by ego and power um, and focusing more on themselves rather than what's good for the overall organisation. I thought that it's it's really interesting. and I think it's really common as well in workplaces these days. The impact then that these kinds of behaviours had, uh, she mentioned two in particular, which one of them was around sitting back and, and doing basically the minimum amount of work because you feel like, you know, your voice doesn't really matter. I'm not important. I don't really belong here. And the second one being more around a struggle to find ways to deal with it. So thinking about how does my character fit in with that? And, you know, we had this conversation about fit, like such an interesting topic. And when I talk about that, I am referring to belonging longing. I think some people distinguish between the two. But for me, when I say fit and, and culture fit, it is really about feeling somewhere that you belong. We talked about purposeful work and the fact that it's relatively new. So a lot of the people that found themselves in that situation, they, they didn't necessarily see that they had other options, that they could have gone somewhere else and um, that they could have found a new job. And they felt really, really stuck. We moved on then to talk about this idea of servant leadership. Now, typically it's seen as a style, but Catherine takes a different approach where it's she doesn't define it as a style. It's really about understanding that our limited nature is not a separate self. So it's about selfless service. And she talked about the different areas that she draws upon in order to get to this conclusion in order to get to this, we talked a lot about limiting beliefs and how if you tackle limiting beliefs one at a time, you could be here forever, basically. And this methodology that she has devised is a way to to uncover your true self, essentially, to banish all of those limiting beliefs without having to address each one individually. We kind of we talked about the fact that it is quite woo woo. But those are not the people who are going to want to talk to her about this stuff anyway. We talked about the possibility to see that this is a construct of our mind. We are that in which thoughts and beliefs occur. So shifting that awareness. And she did talk about removing the unnecessary woo-woo stuff. So it's not about crystals and to get to this idea that our true self is beyond the mind, feelings and sensations. Now, she did talk about the four, there are 16 practices, but there's four. Uh, I, I think we were talking about them as being universal truths. So the first one being we are being lived and that leads to having more flow and no judgment. She did mention that this is the biggest kind of chunk. This is the biggest part. 80% of the work happens here. and. You know, thinking about how decisions are made in this, this, the decisions still get made. But she said that all shame, guilt, arrogance and ego just go away. And it's really like peeling an onion versus dressing up the onion. So rather than adding new skills, rather than adding new beliefs, it's about stripping everything away to the core of our true selves. Number two, then, is we are new in every moment. I actually really like this one in particular. And the beliefs are the baggage from the past or the anxiety about the future. We are not our thoughts and we take the narrative to be the truth. And if we again, this idea that if we're trying to attack each individual limiting belief that we have, we could be here I was going to say all day, but really we could be here forever, as she said, you know, we could be here until we die, basically. And uh, number three, then, is that we are all connected and understanding or having this awareness that we can't find borders to my being. So it's about knowing and intuiting that there are no limits, that identity doesn't actually disappear. We still have our talents and our character traits. We're just taking away the I of that. We're just taking away that, that I part. Number four, then, is... I guess reaching, you know, this is where you want to get to is this idea of selfless service. So 
that is the synopsis of the discussion. As mentioned, I would love to get your thoughts. And um, what are you thinking? Like what's coming up for you as you're listening to the podcast? Do get involved in the discussion over on social media? And I look forward to connecting with you over there. And before I go this week, I just wanted to share with you that I have some absolutely brilliant guests lined up over the coming months. I've really looked within my own network and beyond to see who is it that I can speak to about these really important topics in relation to happiness at work. So I do hope you enjoy them and do keep the feed, the, do keep the feedback coming in. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.